This is the Student-Centered Science Teacher Podcast, and I am your host, Lisa Carosas. I plan and prepare interactive science lessons and digital interactive notebooks for chemistry and physical science courses. You can find my store, Lab in Every Lesson, on the educational marketplace, Teachers Pay Teachers. It's taken me some extra time to get this particular podcast to you because I've been working on an outrageously amazing resource for you that I'm calling Five Elements of an Effective Interactive Science Lesson for Student-Centered Learning. It contains the exact formula I use to plan and prepare my chemistry lessons for virtual delivery, and it can be used for traditional face-to-face delivery as well. In fact, I would most certainly use it myself if or when I might decide to leave my cyber charter school in favor of a traditional brick-and-mortar model. This is not a chintzy offering, folks. These five pages describe what is in each of my interactive science lessons, but also how you can build them yourself. Since my passion is in helping all middle school science teachers, high school science teachers, and beyond, not just those teaching chemistry or physical science. You can download this resource at www.labineverylesson.com backslash five elements. That's the number five elements. No space, no dash. And of course, I'd encourage you to send me your ideas and questions directly via email at lisa at labineverylesson.com or post them publicly in our community at community.labineverylesson.com. For now, let's turn our attention to today's podcast topic. We're talking about differentiation. We're not talking about differentiation in general, though. You've heard that song and dance undoubtedly a million times over. I know I had. Every year, multiple times a year, my school would host a required or optional session on this topic. Yet the session would end and I would be left more confused than before I listened to the speaker. You see, they always told us that we should be able to differentiate content, what the students needed to learn process, how the students would learn it, and product, what activities the students do, what assignments students should complete, or what questions students should answer. There was never a how involved in those professional development sessions. And I never learned this in any of my teaching certification classes either. Not in a practical, employ this everyday kind of way. With regard to differentiating process, I knew about learning styles, our visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learners. But as a science teacher whose content is heavily focused on understanding that which we cannot see, I already incorporated visuals into my lessons regularly for the whole group. And I talked to them all too. So much talking. If anything, I lacked the ability to create and employ kinesthetic options in a virtual classroom with at-risk students who often didn't have the most basic supplies at home in their cupboards and couldn't afford to go purchase them. And if I couldn't change or didn't know how to alter the process, 
how could I really differentiate the product in a meaningful way? That's what was constantly going on in my head. Now, when I was a student, I loved when a teacher gave an array of work product options from which to choose. You know, students can write a paper, produce a presentation, maybe a brochure or newspaper article. In my 11th grade literature class, I remember choosing to write a mini newspaper from the perspective of Shakespeare times instead of writing a plain old essay. I even soaked my printer paper in black tea before loading it into the printer. It gave it this really aged, authentic look. Totally awesome. But as a teacher myself, when I gave those options, students seemed to always take the path of least resistance. They'd prepare a short PowerPoint or Google Slides presentation with some relevant pictures and a whole lot of text. Since everyone opted for that, the product wasn't really differentiated at all. It wasn't until I read the text, Visible Learning, What Works Best to Optimize Student Learning, that I learned how to differentiate. For those of you just joining me for the first time today, this is the third podcast episode where I'm discussing this particular textbook. It may be worthwhile for you to go back to episode two to gain a more complete perspective of how that text has inspired me to make the switch to student-centered learning in my chemistry classroom. Specifically, I've discussed the essence of learning that is a process, not a collection of singular events, that it should be visible to students and teachers that learning is taking place, We've discussed how important it is to produce students who are informed, active members of society, so their ability to execute activities, remain aware during class time, and develop the capability of using our feedback to direct their next steps in the learning process is critical. Then last week, we discussed the effect size, or the effectiveness of various instructional strategies, as noted by the authors of this text. My student-centered approach, the lab in every lesson approach to student-centered learning, has been developed to lean most heavily on those instructional strategies or aspects of instruction with the very highest effect sizes, such as teacher expectations and clarity with an effect size of 0.75, feedback 0.70, Student expectations of self, 1.44. That's almost four times, four years of learning. Leveraging prior knowledge, 0.65, and integrating prior knowledge, 0.93. And so today, I'm talking about how the authors of Visible Learning suggest we should differentiate those learning processes with high effect sizes. Things like synthesizing information from texts, which have an effect size of 0.63. Using vocabulary programs, an effect size of 0.65. Identifying similarities and differences, effect size of 1.32. Again, that's a whopping three to four years of growth. Yikes. Summarizing two years of growth with an effect size of 0.79. And self-questioning which is an effect size of 0.55. Really, guys, anything but lecture and note-taking is really effective. Now, we're on page 20 when we pick up with differentiation. 
Yes, folks, only page 20. The authors present a graphic here to compare what they refer to as, quote, difficulty. That is, the amount of effort or work a student must put forth. And, quote, complexity, the level of thinking, number of steps, or abstractness of a task. This graphic is just two simple arrows separating four quadrants, which represents differentiation levels. We can create low-difficulty, low-complexity activities, referred to by the authors as, quote, fluency. Low-difficulty, high-complexity activities, referred to by the authors as, quote, strategic thinking. High-difficulty, low-complexity activities, referred to by the authors as, quote, stamina or high-difficulty, high-complexity activities referred to by the authors as, quote, struggle. Now, remember that I teach chemistry to at-risk students with largely poor math skills. I really need to avoid creating, quote, struggle activities for students complete to complete during class time. These will be time-intensive because they'll require a lot of action on the student's part, and they will require a great deal of thought. I'm going to use the word, quote, analysis because we're talking about teaching science, and to analyze is to execute part of the scientific method. Would an honors student benefit from a struggle activity, though? Absolutely. I also try to avoid creating fluency activities, but I might lean on low difficulty, low complexity if the concept I'm teaching is very fundamental. For example, my forces of attraction lesson requires students only to open a single app and drag one negatively charged particle close to another negatively charged particle and report their observations. Then, they drag one negatively charged particle next to a positively charged particle. Here, the observation and analysis is extremely simple. Like charges repel, opposite charges attract. But this concept is foundational to understanding the remainder of the semester of chemistry. It provides the explanation for ionic bonding and the logic related to polarity, which results in all forms of intermolecular forces. Like dissolves like. It's worth spending an entire period on that simple activity because I want them to get that concept and I want them to get it clearly. The authors of Visible Learning note that our instructional goal should be to move all content and all students into that fluency category where everything is easy to understand and easy to execute. For most of my students and most lessons, though, my eye is on planning for, quote, strategic thinking and, quote, stamina. And my choice simply depends on the content I'm teaching on a particular day. For example, my chemical reactions in equations lesson is representative of, quote, strategic thinking, I think. The technology app students use is labeled with a chemical equation and a simulation of the process is depicted next to it. So you have reaction side by side the equation. 
students merely drag a dot on the screen to observe the reaction between substances on one side and simultaneously the portion of the equation describing what's being viewed on the other side. Now, this is obviously low difficulty. The students don't have to do much to produce an outcome. But I consider it high complexity because students are asked to correlate their observations of the reaction to their observations of the equation. They must distinguish, for example, among reactants and products as existing as solids, liquids, and gases based on their notation. And here's the key, before they've been taught how to recognize a solid, liquid, or gas in a chemical equation, they are actively uncovering concepts through their own observation, all by just moving a dot. So we have low difficulty, high complexity. My mass volume density lesson, however, requires much more than simply sliding a button around a screen. In the technology app I use to deliver this lesson, students can actually choose glassware, dispense liquid into it, and measure both its mass and volume to calculate density. There's a lot going on for them in this activity, though the concepts of mass, volume, and even the calculation of density, with the equation provided to them following a brief discussion on the microscopic meaning of density, it's relatively straightforward. It's the doing, the difficulty, quote, difficulty of this conventional lab type activity that creates the challenge and facilitates the learning in this differentiated for stamina activity. The first time I encountered the need to lean on this information was maybe week two, the first year I went student-centered. I had created a chemistry terminology lesson with what I felt was low difficulty and low complexity, a fluency, almost review type lesson activity. It required students only to select one or more buttons labeled atoms, molecules, mixture. So if you can imagine this screen and we have the three check boxes at the bottom, atoms, molecules, mixture. When they did, they saw different images appear or disappear from the screen in the simulation of microscopic particles of chemicals comprising the air we breathe. So you see some oxygen floating around in there, some nitrogen, argon, carbon dioxide, water, etc. In my very first attempt, my instructions were minimal. I presented the technology and described how to use it, but my question created much more complexity than I had anticipated. I merely asked them to use the simulation to define the terms atom, molecule, and mixture using their observation evidence. Maybe you will or won't be shocked by this, but I was totally shocked by this. Very few students wrote anything. I've since learned that when most students don't participate, it's not because they don't want to. They aren't tired or lazy that day, and they aren't stubborn. They're lost. Instead of taking it one step at a time, they froze. 
they encountered a challenge they felt was too big and they just stopped. One thing you will hear me repeat again and again and again in this podcast, on my blog, and in the notes in my products is don't quit, just differentiate. When I revisited the lesson plan after class, I changed the product of their activity. So remember, we're supposed to differentiate content, process, product. And so I went after the product. Their process and the content would essentially remain the same. They were still going to be clicking buttons on the screen. And they're still going to be looking at the same material. I still want the same outcome. I still want them to learn the same thing. But what they produce would need to incorporate a lot more support to dispel their fear, guide them to an answer. If I'm being totally truthful, which is pretty much my always state, I just wanted them to write any answer. (laughs) So on their worksheet, I added in specific instructions. First, like number one, click Adam's. Record your observations. What happened? What do you see? What didn't you see? You know, what was there? What got removed? What do you see? Color, shape, size. What do you see? Number two, unclick atoms and click molecules. Record your observations. Step three, unclick mixture and record your observations. Only then they were able to refer back to their notes to construct their own definition of the term atom, a single particle, molecule, one or more particles stuck together, and mixture, a combination of particles with different properties like color and size. I intended that chemistry terminology lesson to utilize a strategic thinking activity, but I had to take down the complexity. What felt to me a lot. Having taught it to my group, though, I wouldn't call it fluency. Quote, fluency. I don't think it ended up to be low difficulty and low complexity. For my group of at-risk, ill-prepared, uninterested learners, it was lower complexity. I can't help but feel that this diagram on page 20 needs to be seen by every teacher everywhere, no matter the instructional strategies they choose to implement in their classrooms. For me, it allowed me to see the versatility in a student-centered approach and made it even more accessible. Now, don't get me wrong. Did I completely freak out when the students weren't responding? Heck yeah, especially because it was week two and I kind of felt I had already reached burnout with them. But this was not the case and I was able to prove it to myself over and over and over again. So trust me, folks, don't quit, just differentiate. I've had teachers ask me, but will this work for my honor students? You know, they look at my lab in every lesson, my chemistry lesson, they go, this is great for your at-risk students, but what about my honor students? My belief is that the technology apps I've identified are sound in their concepts and educational pedagogy. This act of differentiating is really where we, as teachers, need to shine to make learning accessible for everyone. It's not about what we say or how we say it or how many times we say it. Saying it isn't our job. 
we need to make learning accessible. So when you look at the reviews in my store, you'll see a diverse array of students they've been used to instruct. This even surprised me, honestly. Middle school teachers, I think the lowest is sixth grade, high school teachers up to 11th grade, and teachers in higher education have used my lessons because the process and product can be tweaked for each student group or individual students in the group. That is, of course, if you understand differentiation through the eyes of our visible learning authors. Now, in the spirit of differentiation and in an attempt to serve every student, I'm going to put you up to a challenge. Are you up for a challenge? Challenge yourself to pull one of your lessons and create from that one lesson four differentiated versions of the central activity in your lesson. One quote fluency. One quote strategic thinking one quote stamina, and one quote struggle. And then it will be so super awesome. I will do my own happy dance here. I might even record it for you. Share that, that series of lessons, that's those four differentiated versions of your activity in the Lab in Every Lesson community. Take a little screenshot of it. Save it as an image. Post it up there. Just connect to community.labineverylesson.com and create yourself an account. Title or tag the post, Differentiation Challenge. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Now, if you don't have a lesson with a central activity, you can go to my Teachers Pay Teachers store, um, search for Lab in Every Lesson from Teachers Pay Teachers, then download my freebie lesson on isotopes and use that as a starting point. It surely can be differentiated. Or, don't forget, Download the five elements of an effective interactive science lesson for students that are learning guide I created for you at www.labineverylesson.com backslash five, that's the number, five elements to begin writing your own student-centered lessons with learning experiences. And continue tuning into this podcast for tips and tricks with executing those lessons. I'll see you next week, everyone.